Now, as we proceed through our time in Galatians here, last week, as you recall, um, we handled verse 15 and 16. And I'll just simply read for you verse um, 15 and 16, these two verses here, as I jump into my introduction to revive your memory uh, as we move toward verse 17, because 17 is building upon the argument of 15, 16. So let me just simply read for you and begin our time. We ourselves are Jews By birth. And you recall the argument, the structural argument there that Paul is appealing to, that we ourselves are Jews. um, And yet, what we know to be true, verse 16, we know, even though we are Jews, by birth, uh, so all that comes with it, yet, knowing that about us, yet, what have we done? We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. We know that as Jews, we know that. Um, so we also, he then says, we also, being Jewish, knowing our rights, knowing our inheritance, notice what we have done. We also, as Jews, have believed in Christ Jesus. The other argument being simply, you must not need to, or again, if you do, then you must proceed through the law after having a faith that rests or terminates upon Christ. You must proceed. But he says, no, we are Jews, and we also, even being Jewish, have done what? We have pursued Christ through faith. For what purpose, you may ask? He says there in verse 16, in order to be justified. And we are justified by this faith that rests in Christ. And then you're familiar with the contrast. And not, we've believed in Christ for what purpose to be justified by the faith that rests in Christ. And therefore not by works of the law. But what, do you, but what do you know then? We know that by works of that law, we know no one, no single individual will be ever justified. Now, I want to draw your attention to that universal rule because, again, it's a, a universal statement that he's making. No matter the religious system, no matter your place on planet Earth, um, but the gospel must be preached through all, to all nations in all places and spheres because it's not simply uh, the way that the West thinks that, that it excludes works. But there's other systems in other portions of the earth wherein indeed works may play a part. No, it is a universal statement. Not one, no one, not a single individual anywhere and any time space will be justified by the element of working. It's a universal principle that faith alone justifies. What do we mean by this? That faith, not faith plus work, faith plus faithfulness, faith plus a halfway house, faith plus certain elements, faith plus personality type, faith plus what we mean sternly. With Paul, faith alone, apart from everything, is the element which justifies. That is, 
faith, as I've said before, and I wish to imprint upon you deeply. Faith is an empty vessel. And please, don't tune out thinking, I've heard this definition before from here. I, but but, but we, we must hear it afresh, and we must receive it afresh each and every day. I was speaking to someone earlier about the works merit principle of our own self-awareness. I know that's true of you. I, because I, I share in it with you. That, that we turn within ourselves seeking assurance. And when we turn, we look at works. That is also what we, where we feel analyzed by our works. And we're not sure of the fruit of our works. We're unsure of what we've actually done truly altruistically through faith. What, ha- what is of faith and what is not of faith? What is selfish and what was not selfish? The, the analyzing of works is a spiraling out of control. Because we're inevitably returning to those things for a sense of self-justification. That we're worthy of salvation. That we're worthy of sanctification. That indeed we are Christian. I want to imprint upon you, faith is an empty vessel which receives rather than strives or performs. Faith that indeed is justifying. Not that, not that faith itself justifies, but, 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 but that a faith that receives, he who justifies. Faith isn't what will get you there. It's not simply, oh, the, the quality of my faith or the amount of my faith. It's, faith is an empty vessel that is receiving him who justifies. I have a relationship with a person. It isn't faith, the thing that justifies me, but it's the vessel which receives and terminates upon he who justifies. Faith is an empty vessel, and it must be empty of all other elements. You must understand this. We must understand this, and we must be reminded of it every single day. Again, we're not simply saved in a singular moment wherein we can now set about self-improvement, but we must flee to him in our condition every hour. And as we flee, we flee with empty hands. Faith must be void of all other elements. As Paul says, it cannot appeal Faith cannot appeal to any element of human work or human achievement. Faith, as Paul says, faith which receives is a faith markedly apart from working or in contrast to working. Let me draw your attention to that again just before as we proceed. Again, a person is not justified by working in the law. But it's contrast statement in verse 16 at the very beginning. But in contrast to that, it's void of this principle. It's void of the element of working. But, it, but it, it, a person is not justified by the elements of working, but through faith. Not faith in and of itself, but faith that terminates in Jesus Christ. Human achievement 
or in this particular argument here along with other than human achievement, birthright. But for our intents and purposes, I wish to impress upon you, human achievement cannot be mixed with empty faith in God's verdict for justification. It is a simply to his cross I cling. It isn't I partially cling. And as I partially cling, I add also the good works of my personality type, of my natural disposition, or of my altruistic activities. Faith cannot be mixed with work and God's verdict for justification. It is wonderfully impossible. You know that to be true. Because as you gather on Lord's Day, you worship a holy God. Indeed, God demands perfect righteousness, not good intentions. If that is indeed the standard of his justice, faith cannot make an appeal with human work being mixed in. Paul draws an exceedingly harsh line between human achievement and faith. I hope to persuade you of this, that we have to get this right for our own spiritual good, that we have to understand the distinction between the gospel and the law. What God provides us in Christ. You see, Paul is drawing an exceedingly harsh line between human achievement and faith. So much so here in the book of Galatians and in uh, what is parallel all throughout Romans is that we are not justified in Christ or we are not justified in the law. It is an exceedingly harsh line There can be no confusion or conflation between them. There is no share where a foot is remaining in both camps. There is a wall between them. A faith which receives the obedience of another is not a faith that appeals to God for a verdict that also includes their personal working. It is an empty faith wherein only Christ alone fills it. We are not contributing, no matter how meager. Our efforts are not purely righteous. We have nothing within us that commends us to God for justification. Now, once Paul firmly establishes the principle of justification through the empty vessel of faith, as he does so in verse 15 and 16, This morning, for the next few moments, we'll notice he proceeds to confirm this universal appeal with further arguments. Notice verse 17. But if, so so rhetorically, he's raising yet another argument. Because he's he's, he's, uh, so firm upon the last statements of verse 16. So firm upon it. Then he raises other rhetorical argument. So so again, I'll, I'll read it in order. So we also have believed in Christ... 
For what purpose? In order to be justified by faith. Again, not faith in itself, but a faith in him. He justifies. The vehicle being faith. And contrastly, it is not by works of the law. And the reason why is because by working of law, no one, anywhere, at any time, will be justified by that means. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners... Is Christ then a servant of sin? Now, again, in the argument, let me clarify what the argument is that Paul is putting forward here. might be a bit hard to wrap your mind around necessarily just by reading the comments from this debate in Galatians. Let me clarify by saying that Paul is essentially saying this. If we have sought justification in Christ... Through the exclusivity of faith, which he has done. Notice he has done that, verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ. Now now remember, uh, ask yourself, how has he endeavored to be justified in Christ? Uh, Through the exclusivity of faith. Right? So you're hearing the argument. Notice, but if if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, which is his endeavor, and it's his endeavor through faith exclusively, notice back up in 15, so that we believed in Christ Jesus. We believed in him for justification. So, But if in this endeavor to be justified in Christ purely by exclusivity of faith, and thereafter, we are still found to be sinners who need to pursue the law for further righteousness. Then it follows. Think about what that means. I'll read that for you just one more time because I, I really want you to track this with me. Think about it as Paul makes the argument here because this applies directly to your Christian faith. Not a lot of rhetorical needs here. I just I want you to see the logical uh, logical f- f- flow of the text and see yourself here. It makes all the difference in the world. But if we have sought justification in Christ through the exclusivity of faith, that's you. So you're representative in this argument. That, that would be you as a Christian. What you'd confess right now, that, that, that you're, you're Paul right now. You would make that appeal. That that's what you have done. That that's why you're here today. Because you have done this. You, you, you have sought justification in Christ through the exclusivity of faith. Paul then proceeds. But if we have done this, and thereafter which is you right now in this moment. You're the thereafter. You have done that. How then do you proceed? Paul says, and thereafter, having done that, 
we are still found to be sinners who need to pursue the law for further righteousness. then it necessarily follows that Christ is not a savior at all, but is a new lawgiver. And in that manner, his teaching leaves men dead in their sins. Remember, this is the argument in Galatians. That certainly, indeed, you can flee to Christ through faith. But in the thereafter, you must pursue the law for further righteousness' sake. Paul says, but if that is the case, do you know what we've done to him? We have made him no longer a savior at all. If we pursue the law, micromanaging tools to appeal to God, to strengthen our conscience that when indeed we are righteous, we have made Christ no longer a savior, but a lawgiver. And his doctrine left us dead in our sins. Think of that just for a moment. I'll read verse 17 for you again. But you see, as, as he's arguing, uh, uh, we flee to Christ. Verse 17, but, but if, let, let's just say, but if in our endeavor to be justified, we too were found to just be sinners. We had a faith that terminated upon him. We have received him. We give no, no praise and appeal for our merits, but we receive the merits of another through the obedience of the covenant of works, whereby we receive a covenant of grace. We live by the works of another, not our own. But if, we, if that's true, we receive the works of another, but yet we are still found to be without justification. Because his works are not enough, then what do we receive from him at all? But a new law. We are left dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what Paul says we too then. We're found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? You see, think of the dread of that just for a moment, that although one truly believes in Christ, what if this was indeed the case? You would say and make the appeal right now, no, I truly do believe. I give thanks for his merits and not my own. I receive him empty-handed as I come. I receive him wholly and fully, and I do not appeal to my own working. But you see, the argument would be that although you indeed may truly believe in Christ, you must still perform works of the law if you are to be truly received. It would simply mean we'd have to teach our children. We'd have to rewrite how we instruct ourselves. 
that a faith which apprehends and receives Christ is only the beginning, not the sum total of justification. Paul makes the argument in Romans 5.1. I simply cite it for you as he says, indeed, faith is the sum total. It's the empty vessel that receives. It does not strive or work. Romans 5.1. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if it were the case that faith is not enough, then one would absolutely have to ask the necessary question. For what purpose did Christ come at all? For what purpose? So if I said to you, yes, I I see that your faith is true, it's genuine, it's received him, It, it, it rests upon him. But I encourage you and I exhort you, Obedience to the law, obedience to standards, is what will prove you to be justified. If I gave you that pastoral counsel, if you are doubting today your place in God's covenant graciousness, and I said, well, you said, Pastor Adam, I doubt my salvation. I, I, I have serious doubts about it. Um, I said, well, let's take the last month and let's look over your works. Of course, we could couch them in all kinds of sanctification terms, but we're still appealing to them. How high would your confidence grow? If that was the pastoral counsel, look over your work. Look over your motivations. Look over your comments delivered by your tongue. Perhaps you'd say to me, well, if I have to immediately begin writing down my works from the last 30 days, my striving efforts for the last 30 days in order to seek confidence in the gospel and my place in God's gracious covenant, may I ask, for what purpose did Christ come? The answer to someone who is mixing the law with the gospel would have to be, and, and again, I, I get it, that, that, that many theological systems perhaps would get around this, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to simplify and, and, and make the, the, the straightforward argument. Uh, again, for what purpose did Christ come? And, and if we're honest, once we're mixing our works and our appeal and our ideas of sanctification with our sense of justification, right standing before God, and we're mixing these two in order that we might rise with a newfound confidence in our Christian experience, the answer would have to be, I would have to say back to you, in all honesty, Christ has come for no purpose at all. If the grounds of our confidence before God is our works, I don't care what terminology we put on them. If that is the grounds of our confidence and our appeal, then Christ is of no value to us. You see, he is not our obedience at one moment 
wherein he provides the faith that we lack. You see, each one without faith is sinning against God, for they are called to exercise faith. So we give praise for our Lord Jesus Christ, wherein he provided the faith that we needed in order that our faith might terminate upon him savingly. But then how often do we set about a strategy of believing that not only is he our obedience that day, we fail to believe he is our obedience every day. We don't need him at once. We need him always and forever. Luther makes this as plain as the barn door. He says, quote, If it is true that Christ does not justify, then Christ is the law. For since he simply teaches that we are sinners, which is the role of the law, that's what Paul is saying here. If in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. By who? By Christ. How so? Because he is nothing more than the servant of sin. He lets us know our shortcomings. That's what he is good for. He reveals to us our weaknesses regularly. Is that what he does? Is that who he is? He's a law giver. Luther, again, if it is true that Christ does not justify, then Christ is the law. For since he simply teaches that we are sinners, we have nothing else from him than what we have from the law. Thus, Christ the teacher of sin sends us back to the law and to Moses for justification. He ends by saying this, this idea is an intolerable perversity. And you see, making Christ, I do want to Be helpful that you think with me just for a moment that making Christ a teacher of the law for righteousness sake. Do this, 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 do this. Again, is that what we receive from him? Making Christ an expositor or a preacher or a teacher of the law for righteousness sake is not only contained to the first century here in Galatians. Evangelical assumptions can be very much and are very much the same. Again, it's similar to Peter, I would argue. It's not that it's verbalized in such a way as to turn to Christ for more law. Turn to Christ for more directives. Let him play a part in your life. Of course, no one's explicitly saying such. Maybe there's some fringe person on YouTube. But in reality, we could go to several healthy churches and no one would quite verbalize that. But the question is, if you listen long enough, are the assumptions really that? Are the implications that? Again, maybe the thinking goes a little bit more like this, and I hope it's not a a snapping away of low-hanging fruits. I I don't think that it is. I'll leave that for you to assess. But I do think evangelical assumptions largely are. If you look at market share and you look at publications and you listen to enough podcasts, I, I think you'll see with me 
that evangelical assumptions really do go along the fault lines of the idea that we are not as bad as the old Puritans used to say. Really what we need is not so much, uh, uh, this might sound bad to say, but really what we need is not so much a savior per se, Yes, that, yes, that, yes, that, yeah, 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 yes, that. But what we really need is a solid life coach with a winning game plan for our financial. What we need on Lord's Day, yeah, yeah, yes, 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 oh, yes, oh, yes, yes, we need a Savior. But our assumptions or our implications to what we say and how we think and how we live and all the way that we hold one another accountable in various forms and manners is what we really need is a solid life coach with a winning game plan for our athletic life. Our financial life. Our family health. We need a, that, you know what I mean? We need a solid life coach for our romantic victory. Michael Horton addresses this in his book, Christless Christianity. Perhaps some of you have read it. He says, quote, regardless of the official theology on paper, I think that's so right. And I've had a number of people say, could you help me? I'm moving. I'm looking for a different church. Could you do a quick search for me and maybe narrow down a short list? And of course, we love to do that. Uh, we love that when people leave, we love to help, we love to facilitate, because we want whatever we feel like maybe even this much contributed, we want to see that same thing continue to develop and grow. So we're happy to do so. But, you know, I think many of you probably realize as well, a, a website confessional statement, uh, you know, it's weak sauce. It, 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 it's, 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 not, it's not what's said on paper that often gives you the... <gasps> it, it, because it largely... Everyone's going to say the evangelical things that needed to be said. It's in the time at that church wherein you find the assumptions at play. Horton, regardless of the official theology on paper, moralistic preaching assumes that we are not as hopeless, or rather he says that we are not really hopeless sinners who need to be rescued, but we're decent folk who need good examples, fine exhortations, and helpful instructions. This is parallel. It's not way off into the weeds this morning. This is parallel to the Galatian heresy. I think we fail to see how toxic it really is until many people become disenfranchised with the church altogether. Because let's face it, there's good examples at CrossFit. There's good exhortations on YouTube with the right people. There's instructions for success in daily living just from my cubicle. Why do I need the church? And the church ever strives to be relevant and creates more and more programs for more and more examples, more and more exhortations, and more and more self-help instruction. This is parallel to the Galatian heresy. The gospel, whether it's in the first century, where indeed there's an exhortation to return to the Mosaic law, or whether it's the 21st century, where Jesus is your co-pilot, 
and your best life coach now. It is parallel in its essentials by the material the same. It is taking the gospel and making it into a message of self-help and improvement. It's the same thing with the prosperity gospel. I mean, flip the lights on. Everybody can see it. The gospel, the good news announcement that you can be saved from your sin without striving and without working and without army crawling to heaven. You can receive through the empty vessel of faith. You can receive Christ alone. You can come to share in him and receive full union, not partial citizenship, but full union. You have him and how many of his benefits? All of them. To this idea that we have mistakenly fled to Christ as a savior when indeed we find out he's simply only a lawgiver. Paul exclaims, you see it in the text, verse 17, Paul exclaims, certainly not. This is not what you find out when you flee to him. You, as a needy individual, when you receive him through a faith that terminates and rests upon him solely, apart from working, you do not find that therein, as he receives you partially, he sends you back to the law to keep working. Paul says it again, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, what do you mean justified in Christ? How? Oh, I already said how. But through faith, Faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed. We've exercised that faith in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? In order to be justified. How so? By faith. That does what? Terminates in him. And it's in contrast to working and striving of the law. Why don't you strive? Why don't you work? Because by working of law, no one will be justified. It isn't a message of self-help where you make up what is lacking. It is announcement that you receive and are thereby in union to the Savior. Full stop. Verse 17 is the crisis. But if in our endeavor to be justified in him by the exclusivity of faith as I just outlined for you, we too were then found, thereafter we're standing there naked. We're found to be sinners. The same people we were before we got here. Is Christ, is that all he is then? Is he reveals to us our sin? He ever puts it before our face. Is that who he is? By office, he's Moses 2.0. Is that who he is? And is that his manner? Paul's response, certainly not. You see, if it is not true 
that by the works of the law, as Paul just said, if it's not true that by the works of the law, no one will be justified. If that's not true, you have to understand, please, Christian, this morning. If that is not true, then Christ is of no use to us at all. Please don't have a partial savior. You have no savior at all. You cannot have faith empty that receives the work of another and therein is justified, but then proceed by works to solidify and ensure. You cannot have it. You see, to add anything, I, I want to double underline this. Um, for, for me, in my roadmap here, and we're ending, you see, I'm right here, so see, just take a deep breath, we're almost done. I only have this much left. Now this could go 40 minutes, but it won't. It won't. It won't. But, but, but you see, to add, I have uh, you know, the little text uh, intensity marks, anything. So just to emphasize that, anything. I told myself that when I was typing this a couple of days ago. You see, because it's true. To add anything to the gospel is to necessarily say, you, you cannot get around this, you have to say this. Faith is not true. Christ, whom faith receives, is not the justifier. Grace is utterly useless. Not only will that break your heart, confuse, disenfranchise many against the church, think of the vanity, the pride to say, by my working, I will ascend. It's full humility. It's pride and vanity that seeks to ascend heaven's hills through a strategy of self-help and working. You're not that good. You cannot do it. You need a savior to receive. In conclusion, I end with this quote by one author. He says, quote, By adding works to faith, we obscure the blessings of Christ. We deprive him of his due honor. And we set him up as the agent of sin. Is that what he does? Is that why we've been rescued? So that every day we flee to him, he just perpetually reveals to us our sin. And commend you to keep working. If we say in our conscience, yes, then we don't have a savior at all. 
Let us pray. Father, I pray that you'll help us to receive your gospel rightly, the announcement, the good news announcement, that we can be justified in your sight, not partially, not initially, but wholly and eternally upon the works of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We praise you for the incarnation. We've confessed it this morning. We've sang about it this morning. We praise you for the incarnation. Indeed, we confess as your people on this Lord's day, he did not just come for no reason. He came for the reason, your glory, wherein we might be wed to him through faith and be your people forever. We praise you for the righteousness of Christ. It is our only hope. Help us now, each one here, to fight self-justification. Have a faith that once again ascends and terminates on the justifier. Forgive us of our sins of seeking self-justification, pride, arrogance of place, inordinate guilt where there shouldn't be, a lack of gratitude for what you've provided. Let us be renewed in your provisions for us and live grateful, not miserable lives. Help us with this task. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the worship team.